0: You are listening to the hill city church podcast our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with god connect with people and impact the world merry christmas church my name is josh i'm the lead pastor here at hill city church it's so good uh, to be with you at Christmas. I want to say once again thank you for including us in your Christmas plans. I know that it really is a busy time of the year. I know it's called the most wonderful time of the year, but let's be honest, it's also the most full time of the year. And there's shopping and wrapping and presents and decorations and cooking and cleaning and some families even have the time to send out a Christmas card. Any Christmas card people out there, we appreciate you. Let's celebrate the Christmas card people out there. I say that because I, uh, uh, we are rookies in the Christmas card game. This is the very first year in our marriage, in our, in our family, we've ever had a Christmas card. Here's a photo uh, of our Christmas card. And I say we're rookies uh, because we've never gotten around to it before. But this year, we actually had some family photos taken this fall. And it was like, okay, we got the photos, you know. They're not like three-year-old photos. It's like, they're, they're ready, you know. So we did it. But we only printed 30 cards, because of, and then we realized like, oh we know more than 30 people. So if you didn't get one of our Christmas cards, no hard feelings, you can just pull out your phone, snap a quick photo of that, <laughs> print it off yourself. Anyways, uh, but one of the things I love about Christmas cards is, you know, it's just like not, you know, you can see the, you know, see people and everyone's happy and it's, it's like this picture perfect family oftentimes what you see on the card, but you know this, if you've ever tried taking a family photo, that for every one good one, there's like dozens more totally unusable ones. So I want to show you, this is, this is Rosie, uh, she's our middle child, and that's, you might be able to tell that's not like, a, all right, let's try a silly one, that's like, we paid to have that photo taken, okay? And the behind the scenes was, you know, we we went up to Bogus Basin, and it was like the last you know session of the day, and so it was getting cold, and the grass was pokey, and the tummies were hungry, and uh, one of my kids actually, like every time I went to hold her, it was like I was a stranger. All of a sudden, I'm like, you know me, you know, and uh, and and there's just it's a little less picturesque than you see on the Christmas card. And I think it can be like that with the nativity scene sometimes, where this scene of little baby Jesus in a manger and all these porcelain figures. I want to show you a mosaic, actually, from 1150 A.D. from a chapel in Sicily. It's it's the nativity scene. You have little Jesus there, and you have Mary and Joseph and the wise men. There's angels all around, and they all have that, you know, there's the halo around their head of, like, glory radiating, and somehow, you know, one day old, Jesus is already doing sit-ups right there. It's like, that's like a 12-year-old, you know? Anyways, and we can, we can kind of have these idealized versions of these Bible stories in our minds. And there's nothing wrong with having these little figurines, these little ceramic figurines, as long as we recognize these are just representations of the reality of the Christmas story. This isn't just a story that Christians tell year after year. These are actual events that took place in the real world. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna go through some of the characters of Christmas and pull back the curtains a little bit and recognize the grittiness and the blood and the sweat and the tears and the, dare I say it, amniotic fluid involved in the reality of Christmas. And so let's begin with the first figurine here, the angel. Angels surround the events of Jesus' birth. More than any other story, I would say, in Scripture, you see many appearances of angelic messengers. An angel appeared to Zachariah, an angel appeared to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds. They actually saw a host Of heavenly angels, thousands of angels in the sky, and yet the most important of these interactions is the interaction that the angel Gabriel had with Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 30. This is what the angelic messenger brought. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great And will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So far, so good. This is, you know, it kind of falls in line with the, you know, the, the typical scriptures you hear read at a Christmas service. One of the lines I just want to highlight here, though, is that opening line from the angel, do not be afraid which is one of the most common opening lines that an angel says to a human when a human interacts with an angel, because the normal response is utter terror when a human comes in contact with an angel. I don't know where we get this idea. I think it could be traced back to the renaissance of like little naked baby angels. You know, Raphael, he's got the painting, and they're just like, little naked babies, or this one right here. It's not too menacing, but oftentimes in Scripture, when someone encounters an otherworldly type being there's just like fear like what like where can I leave right now can I get out of here you know and so the angel appears to Mary and the opening line is do not be afraid because you will give birth to a son and this will be the promised Messiah the king who would come from heaven to earth and save the people from their sins let's turn to the next character of Christmas is Mary Mary was a young peasant girl engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, and you know we, we think that she was likely at most 16, 17 years old, more likely 13, 14 years old when she received this message. And she responds with the question, how will this be since I am a virgin? And we have to be careful not to read our own kind of skepticism or cynicism into her voice here. Because we know that she actually does believe the angel. She has a heart of faith initially. She's just asking the angel, what's the plan? Like how, how is this going to play out? And the angel describes what, what really is a miracle called the incarnation. This child will not be a result of the union between Mary and Joseph. But rather it will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Fully God. Fully man. God taking on the flesh of humanity. And uh, the angel Gabriel explains that all things are possible with God. And Mary, to her credit, believes Him. Look at, look at the next thing that she says in Luke chapter 1:38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And Mary demonstrates this deep faith in God's plan for her life. But notice simultaneously what she's doing. As she says yes to God's plan, what God asks of her, she's also saying no to herself. She's saying no to all of her plans for how she thought her life was going to play out. Maybe the ideal marriage or the ideal family. And uh, the angel departs from her after this. And I wonder how long it takes for the gravity of the situation to hit Mary like a ton of bricks and she begins to wonder, what will everyone think? How am I gonna explain this to my parents? What's Joseph going to do? Does he even wanna marry me anymore? And her blood pressure begins to rise and her heart rate increases, and she does the only thing that she thinks she can do, she gets out of the situation. She goes and visits her relative Elizabeth in the hill country of Judea, and we don't know exactly why she went, but she goes for a few months, and I I think that she went to really kind of figure things out for a few months. And it's this beautiful story of no one really could understand what she's going through except Elizabeth, who Zachariah and Elizabeth had their own visitation from the angel. Elizabeth, in her old age, had her own miracle baby. And in fact, the moment that Mary enters into their village, Elizabeth sees her and she's already pregnant with John, who would become known as John the Baptist. John the Baptist is already prophesying in the womb. He starts kicking because he knows that there's something special about the baby that Mary holds. And so she visits Elizabeth for a few months. And when she returns, she's got some serious explaining to do to Joseph. Now let's think about Joseph. Joseph is a good guy. Right, He's a hard worker, he's a carpenter, he's a, he's a loyal guy, he's a trustworthy guy, and, uh, and he's a good guy caught in a complicated situation. I mean it doesn't take a genius to just do this equation, right? Mary, you left for a few months, you came back, and either you've been gaining a f- few pounds or you cheated on me, right? That's what he's thinking. And she can do her best to explain, well, no, I, I, an angel visit, like she can do her best to try to explain it to him, but the reality is, what are the odds that she's really telling the truth? And so he, he does the most noble thing that he can think of, which is, I guess I'm going to have to break off this marriage quietly. And he resolves, you know, I'm not going to bring her to public shame, I'm not going to make a big deal, I'm not going to do the Facebook announcement, you know, she, drag her through the mud. He says, I'm, I'm just going to break off it quietly, and I'll move on with my life. That is until he goes to sleep, and the angel visits him in a dream and says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's telling the truth. This child will be the son of God, and you're going to raise him. And so Joseph wakes up from this dream, and this is what it says in Matthew chapter 1, 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did, as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. An interesting thought is that God is the only one who ever was able to choose his parents. Isn't that interesting? That God the Father was able to have his son be born to anyone on planet earth, and he could have chosen someone who was, you know, had political Uh, Success. He could have chosen someone who had worldly power or influence or riches, and yet he chose Mary and Joseph. And I think we get a glimpse into the reason why, is that Mary trusted that with God all things are possible. She had that childlike faith that Jesus said he's looking for to all who would enter into his kingdom. And Joseph obeyed. That's one of the things that God desires from us, is that we would, you know, not necessarily looking for more sacrifice, but for more obedience from us. And so Mary trusts and Joseph obeys, and they carry through God's plans as difficult as it would be for them. I mean, think about that. Instead of a quiet break off to the engagement, they have a quiet wedding. It's a rushed wedding, they have to cross off certain names from the guest list. Don't invite your aunt. You know what she's going to say, right? It's shrouded in rumors. Did you hear what happened with Mary when she went away? Like, no one's going to believe them, right? And they're not trying to convince everyone of, of the truth. They're just trying to do the thing that God is calling them to do. As much shame as it brings on themselves and on their future son. There's no honeymoon, there's no vacation in the Bahamas. They're just going to do their quiet wedding. It's not what Mary had dreamed about for years since she was a little girl. But she trades in her plans for God's. And then think about the birth story. I mean, this is the star of the show, right? Little baby Jesus is born. And we have these cute little figures of he's here in a manger. And he's got the little swaddling cloth around. And it's all perfect and clean. But the reality is Mary and Joseph had a very difficult birth story, where there was a government mandate that everyone must return to their ancestral home to be counted for a census. Isn't that everyone's two favorite words, government mandate? (laughs) Especially for a Jew living in the first century under Roman occupation. They hated the Romans, right? And so it was the Roman emperor who decided everyone, you know, regardless of how far away you live now, you have to return to the the home of your family's lineage so that we can just take a simple checkbox, you've been counted. And how inconvenient to do that in a normal sense, and yet it's 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. When was the last time you traveled 80 miles on foot? Even for the most elite athletes, that's a very difficult feet to accomplish. And not only that, but the timing of it was terrible. They're scheduled to go to the census on the due date for the baby. I mean, even in modern medicine, they'll tell you, don't travel within this many weeks of the due date. And so they make their way on foot in the heat to Bethlehem so that this baby can be born. And look at what happens in Luke chapter two, verses six through seven. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And it's really easy to kind of, again, like idealize this picture, but just think, if, if it was you and you're just wrapping up your 80 mile trip, imagine the marital arguments happening it's like, we should have left sooner. Why would you have to pack so much? And Mary's like, well, at least you booked the Airbnb, right? Joseph's like, those aren't invented yet. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know. And they're, and they're having like this conflict, and the contractions are starting. I mean, I, I know that much about childbirth. There's one way to get that baby out. You got to walk it out. So that she wa- she's walking, and the contractions, the closer they get to Bethlehem, the, the, the closer the contractions are. And they get there, and not even their extended family will let them stay in their place. Because they take a look in, and people are already, they have their cot set up, and there's no place for them. There's no public, and there's no place for them. And so what happens is, just as they're being shown the barn, where the animals sleep, and, and you know, maybe the person who's showing them is like, Joseph, is this going to do? And he's like, Mary, what do you think? You know, obviously, that's what the... the best marriage advice just turn to your wife what do you think just then her water breaks I guess it'll have to do and right there surrounded by filth and animals the son of the living God is born no room in the inn, no crib for a bed and they lay him in a feeding trough because that's the best that Jesus is gonna get on his birthday And it's a little bit less precious moments. It's a little bit less Hallmark movie. Jesus enters into our brokenness. When you think about the rest of the characters, you have the shepherds, right? The first visitors that night were these random shepherds. They're not relatives. They're just these random guys out in the field that God chooses to be the first visitors to come and worship his son. The wise men show up about a year or two later. They followed the stars. They discerned that a new king would be born and they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, essentially gold and perfumes. That's what every toddler wants, right? Next time you go to a two-year-old birthday party, here's a pro tip, bring a nice bottle of perfume. No, I mean, it's it's kind of strange, right? I'm sure Mary and Joseph appreciated the gold, though. It'll help with the, the new expenses and all that. And, uh, and they show up, but they not only show up bringing gifts for the king, they also show up bringing the wrath of Herod down upon this new family. As Herod, the self-proclaimed king of the Jews, heard there was a new king that was born, he sought to destroy him. And so now, just a few years in, Mary and Joseph are on the run for their lives, and they flee to Egypt. That's not what they planned. It's what God had planned. It's not what they had planned. And so they leave as exiles to Egypt. And then not pictured, obviously Herod doesn't get his own little figurine. Also not pictured is Simeon and Anna, who on Jesus' dedication at 40 days old, he was brought to the temple to be presented to the Lord. And during that time, Simeon prophesies over baby Jesus that he will die and that a sword will pierce his mother's soul. Merry Christmas! is that a, that's a prophecy that no mother wants to hear, and yet this is the reality, this is the real story of Christmas, it's a difficult Christmas. I think about this, this figurine over here, this is the shepherd, and uh, this is the actual set that we have set up in my living room. I ask my kids' permission to bring it to the church, and uh, do the same thing that I do with them, is like explain the Christmas story to you all, and uh, one of these characters, you probably can't see, but it's the shepherd, his head popped off last week. Because we, we play a game, we like hide the different characters, and you can find, you know, like, you know, who, where'd, the, where'd the cow go? You know, you gotta go find it. And uh, one of my kids dropped the shepherd, and his head popped off, and I was like, well, I'm gonna use this for the church, you know? And so Shana hot glued his head back on, and now he's good as new, right? And I just think that's a lot more real life, isn't it? Where where a lot of us, we have cracks in our stories, in our souls, in our lives, and that's the beauty of Christmas, is Jesus enters into our brokenness, and he gives hope to humanity. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that the real Christmas story is messy, because I can resonate with the mess. And maybe there's one feeling that, that you've experienced of feeling like your plans have been ruined. Have you ever had your plans wrecked? And, and maybe for you, you just look at this Christmas and you think about where you are in life. And for some people in the room, maybe, maybe this is the best year of your life ever, best year ever. And you feel like Tiny Tim at the end of a Christmas carol. God bless us everyone. Every morning, things are good, you know? And, it's, and that's, if that's genuinely where you're at in life, give glory and praise to God for that. But for many people in the room, you have this, this relatable experience of Mary and Joseph. This is not what I signed up for. Things are not going according to plan. And you look at your health, the health of a loved one that's failing. And you're like, "What day by day, week by week, you're like, what's the plan? What's the diagnosis? Will things get better? You look at finances that are tight. How am I going to pay for Christmas presents, let alone the bills, you look at your relationships, and there's someone that you wish you could be celebrating Christmas with this year, but you're not exactly on speaking terms with them anymore. You look at the brokenness in the world, you look at the brokenness even inside about just just loneliness and anxiety and depression, and you just have this question. What's the plan, God? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. You didn't expect to hear a Mike Tyson quote, did you? And life has a way of just punching us in the face sometimes. And I know that causes these questions and these doubts when it comes to even your belief in God. If God is good, then why are these things happening to me? But it can be especially difficult for you when you feel like you've been trying to follow God's plan, and that's the reason why things are going difficult, things are going poorly. And maybe this Christmas, you can relate to Mary and Joseph a little bit more than usual. What do we do when we say yes to God's plan and he ruins ours? And that's really the difficulty of the Christmas story. We're going to have an opportunity to listen to a song. It's called Mary and Joseph by an artist named Chris Renzema. On my uh, Spotify rap this year, he was my number one artist, Okay. And uh, this song came out last year, and I think the first time I listened to this song, it's a, it's a different kind of Christmas song. It's not all deck the halls and jingle bells. This is like the true difficult Christmas. I think the first time I listened to this song, I wept, because I could relate to when you say yes to God, sometimes God calls you to difficult things. And so uh, you can actually stay seated. The words will be on the screen, not necessarily because we expect you to sing along to the song, but to read and hear the lyrics, and feel the emotions of this song, because it's a song written from the vantage point of someone singing to Mary and Joseph. Hold on, hold on, I know this sounds crazy, and I just feel like that's a lot more real what it's like to follow God, where the things that he leads you to, calls you to, they're not always easy and yet they're always best and i think there's someone in this room on christmas eve who needs to hear that just hold on hold on keep trusting like mary keep obeying god like joseph we often get this idea somehow that following god is is going to be this 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 beautiful picturesque thing. It's like a Hallmark movie. It's like, just follow his plans and things will get better and you'll get that nice, you know, that small town cabin in the woods that you're renovating and you'll meet the right guy or whatever it looks like. We, we quote Bible verses like Jeremiah 29 11 that says, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And while that's a, a really nice sentiment on kind of a, a, a card, The reality is that prophecy from Jeremiah is set within the backdrop of 70 years of a brutal Babylonian exile, where the city of Jerusalem was utterly destroyed. Your family home was torn down, relatives killed, you shipped off to essentially be slaves in a foreign land. That is the plan that God had for the generation that Jeremiah spoke those words to It's actually the backdrop for the Christmas song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Listen to this line from the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. So this Christmas, we must learn to hold both of those truths in tension. That you can simultaneously declare that God is good, that he has a plan, that he wants to give you a future, he has hope for you, even in lonely exile here, even while you're mourning, would you keep holding on to hope, keep trusting God like Mary, keep obeying God like Joseph, because the truth is God's plans are always best, amen? The Son of God did appear 2,000 years ago in the manger in Bethlehem. And it wasn't how anyone expected, but it's what everyone needed. This is how the Apostle John puts it in John chapter 1, starting in verse 9. He says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He's speaking of Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, Jesus brings light into our lives. And maybe for you, you're here and you have never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, but maybe you've experienced darkness Have you been experiencing darkness in your life, the darkness of the pain and the suffering of the world that we live in, darkness of uncertainty of your own future, even mental, emotional darkness, maybe even the darkness of sin and shame that you've been carrying with you for years and years and years? I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the light you've been looking for. He is the light of the world and he he came to us in Bethlehem in the manger but he didn't stay in a manger he grew up he lived a perfect life a sinless life the life that we could never attain to and he died a sinner's death that we deserved on the cross taking upon himself the sin of the world and 3 days later he rose in victory over sin death and the devil and the best christmas gift that you can receive this year is the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our lord amen church And I just want to invite you to receive Jesus as your Lord. You notice that line from John chapter 1, but to all who would receive him. The gift is available to all, but not everybody receives that gift. Would this be the year that you receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? You can pray a prayer today and ask God to forgive your sin and lead your life, and maybe in the new year you'd explore the step of baptism. We have two people already signed up to get baptized in the first Sunday in January. Can we celebrate that? <laughs> I'm so excited to celebrate new life, and for you, maybe you've never taken that step uh, to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You can learn more about that at hillcityboise.org/baptism. There's a 30-minute video on there. You can sign up on there, and maybe this is the year that you start the new year with a new life in Christ. Jesus. We're gonna have an opportunity now as we, uh, as we come near the end of our service to remember Jesus as the light of the world through lighting candles. So If you have a candle go ahead and grab it. The ushers are gonna be coming down the rows and gonna be lighting the candle on the end of the row. Here's a quick tutorial, okay? You ready for this? Here's a picture. This was captured at uh, our services last year. This is like the ideal way to light these candles and not burn the building down, okay? So if you're on the end of the row, go ahead and just leave your candle upright, and as soon as uh, your, the, your candle is lit, instead of tipping your candle and spilling hot wax everywhere, let the person who has yet to light their candle come to you, okay? And, uh, and, and as soon as your candles are lit, we're going to have an opportunity to worship through a, a few songs here at the end, a couple songs. The first one is, O Holy Night, and it has a beautiful line that says, a thrill of hope The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Winter solstice was just a couple days ago, which is the shortest day of the year in the northern hemisphere, and that's really one of the reasons why we celebrate the birth of Christ around this time of the year, because it's a beautiful reminder that no matter how dark the world gets, God's light can break into the darkness, and a new and glorious morn is on the other side. So let's stand as we worship with our candlelight. Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.